up? This is Matt Dietz and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down and talk to creative, smart, and ambitious entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey. You know, no one is given a playbook at the beginning when they start their business. It's something we have to figure out on our own. And that's why I wanted to build this library of stories of people who have done it before us so we can learn from what they have learned. So that's what this show is all about. Today on the show, I have Devin Williams, who is the owner of Sigma Wolf Photography, and we have a great conversation. I love talking to creative types like Devin um, and how he's built his business, and he has a really interesting story, and I'm excited to share it with you. Building a photography business is tough. It is a crowded space. And over the last 10 years, things have been, everyone thinks they're a photographer, right? And with uh, Instagram and everything that's gone up on social. So, um, so I wanted to really talk to him about how did you build your business? What did you do in the beginning? And so uh, it's really interesting to hear what he did in the beginning to get in front of clients and how hard he really had to hustle to get out there. And so that was interesting for, to talk about. And I also liked kind of learning his process. He says, you know, it's great when somebody hires him and they already have a vision of what they want, you know, there's a difference between photography and marketing. You know, Devin says, you know, he's not a marketer. He's a photographer. You tell me what your vision is and I'll create it for you. So I thought that was an interesting part of the conversation too. So we talk about what he did before he got into photography, how he got into it, how he built his business, how he's building his brand, how he's getting in front of people and taking care of his clients and uh, it's a really interesting conversation. So Devin, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience and what you know. And uh, let's hop into the conversation. All right. Well, I am joined today with Devin Williams from Sigma Wolf Media. What's up, Devin? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for coming in. Of course. You want to talk shop? Heck yeah. yeah. Let's go. All right. So why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're from and how did you get to Idaho? And we'll just, we'll start there. Kind of grease the wheels. Yeah, so as a kid, I moved around a lot. I was actually born in Alabama. I don't remember it because I was really young. My dad was going to school down there, but we ended up transferring to Indiana where he was going to Purdue University. Nice. And Go Boilermakers. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mom basically worked while he went to school, so she put him through school. Nice. And... After Indiana, so we would go back and forth. My dad was working on his PhD, so we would uh, go back and forth to Costa Rica. Okay, nice. I, for about, I believe it was about two years combined, so I think we would stay there for about six months at a time. I was pretty young. It's hard to remember how old I was. Yeah. So I finished, so I never actually went to, I did go to school for a little bit in Costa Rica. Uh, it was called... What was it called? I always look it up because it's, it's interesting to like go back on like the nostalgia of where you used to live. So like every once in a while, I ask my mom like addresses. Yeah. And it was called Friends. I, th- I believe it was a Catholic school, but it wasn't based on, it was just funded by like Catholic. Yeah. Because I mean, it was hard to find like more of like a private school yeah. in Costa Rica. And uh, so we went back to Indiana. My parents ended up getting divorced, unfortunately. And after that, my mom, she met my stepdad, who we actually ended up not meeting for over a year or two, maybe a year or two. And they would go back and forth to Texas because he also went to Purdue and he's an engineer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, 
So you're all over the place. Yeah, all over the place. Why not, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm a wanderer. Sure, I'm pretty sure I lived in Illinois and Iowa, too, when I was a kid. Because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, my parents were young when they had my brother. Uh-huh. And they were obviously super poor. Like, I remember us using uh, food stamps when we were kids. But obviously, it makes sense. My dad was in school, and my mom was like, the sole provider yeah. at the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Well, how did you wind up uh, out here in Idaho? I know you you went you were in, didn't you live in Hawaii for a little bit? Like you've been all I over did. the place. Portland yeah. maybe <laughs> too. Like you're just trying to collect the whole set, right? <laughs> I know it's like hard going back and uh, remembering like all the places. So we were living in Texas at the time. I chose to live with my mom, and her family actually migrated from Illinois to Idaho when she was super young. So she grew up in Idaho. She went to, uh, man, what school did she go to? I think it was, yeah, it was Meridian High School. Meridian High School is like one of the oldest high schools in Boise. It's over 100 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So what year did you land here? Uh, 1999. 99? Yeah. All right, so you've been here 23 years now. Yes, So, but I well, left you, for you, a little while. Yeah, of course yep. you did, right? So, but I have been here. So I would. So out of all the places, I would consider Idaho to be home because I finished high school here, and I end up coming back, and I don't plan on leaving. Okay. So. All right, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Sigma Wolf first. Tell me what it is, what do you do, and then we're going to kind of go back and then work our way forward. So tell me, uh, what's Sigma Wolf? So Sigma Wolf, uh, are you like pertaining to the actual name? Yeah, let's start. Well, let's start with the company. Okay. Like what is it? What do you do? And then tell me how you got the name because I think that's interesting too. Okay, cool. So Sigma Wolf is a media company. I do photography and videography. I don't do so much photography these days other than personal, just fun stuff because videos where it's at, videos where you're going to make money. Uh, So that's why I kind of went full force into actually making videos. When I was a really young kid, I used to make clay clay animations and stuff. So I would use a camera. I would take a bunch of pictures and then I'd speed them up in windows movie maker. I love it. Got away from that. Uh, college kind of ruined art for me for a little while. Uh, got back into it when I moved back to Idaho, uh, seven years ago. Very cool. So who are your, like, what kind of companies do you, do you do business for right now? Yeah. So I mostly do commercial work. Um, I'm not like a portrait guy. I'm not like a huge wedding guy. I do weddings. I actually do quite a few weddings a year, but cause there's a lot of money in it, but I work with companies like Everly stock outdoors. I work with a uh, company tattooed and successful Kinnis barefoot shoes. I periodically work with them. They're out of, uh, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. And I work with gold handle coffee, which is a new exciting one that I'm working with, which is owned by john wayne enterprises which is john wayne's family so ethan wayne is a is one of his oldest sons and he's um he's part owner that's amazing yeah well i really admire your work like you do really really cool clean slick work i can tell that you've worked on your craft and you've honed it and the stuff that you put out is really high level so um you're doing really good work hey i appreciate that yeah so tell me about how you came up with the name so, I that's good story. <laughs> I don't want to leave out that I work with Amherst Madison too. Probably one of the best real estate brokers. Right, right. They know what they're doing. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> so Sigma Wolf. So Sigma meaning the sum of all. Uh, wolf, obviously, they're cool. So <laughs> the idea behind Sigma. So you have Sigma and you have Alpha. I didn't. 
I never thought of it as the sum of all. I thought of it, so there's alpha males and then there's sigma males, uh, which seems kind of cheesy and odd. Like I was flooring with my cousin at the time and we were talking about it. I'm like, well, I don't really, I'm not really a leader, but I'm also not beta. So like I, I want to, I want to lead like my own life and how I want to live it. Yeah. You're like, what's in the middle? Yeah. So that, that's the idea of sigma, right? Like it's mysterious. It's, uh, you're still like a alpha in your space, but you're not, you don't, you don't care about leading people. Like you don't, like you don't have to be a part of a team or anything like that. And I've never, like, I, I was never into team sports. I always did more of the extreme sports like mountain biking, uh, BMXing, like the one person sports. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's really cool. All right. So tell me about a little bit about like your employment career, you know, before you started your business, like what did you do before? I know you did a number of things, but I want to hear about some of the things that you did before, you know, what you learned from those things. And then let's get to the doorstep on when you were like, all right, I'm going to try my own thing here. Okay. So I started working when I was pretty young. Uh, started working when I was about 14 years old. I always wanted to make money and, uh, money's good. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at a hospital for a little while. St. Luke's. Can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. This drive to make money. Right. Yeah. It, does it uh, does it come from the way you were brought up and not having a lot of money? You know, were you? Did, do you remember being a kid and being like, "I don't want to be like this when I'm an adult"? Like, was there, is there anything? Let me psychologically pick you apart here. But is there anything there where you're like, "I don't want, I don't want to be like this forever. I want to kind of control my own destiny. I, I want to make sure I have enough to do the things that I want to do." Is, have you ever thought about like that? Like, why did you want to make like? make money I mean, yeah. we, all, we all want to make money but you know what i'm saying yeah no that that's a good question because i think it just came down to i i hate asking permission so if you have your own money you can buy whatever you want without having to ask permission for it and i when we ended up moving to idaho we weren't exactly poor like we were probably like middle class like normal stuff but i always had to ask for stuff and i hated asking like yeah. I, I hate asking for stuff i just want to go do it when i want to do it and i think that was more the drive to make money so whenever i wanted uh i wanted to get the fireworks that i wanted to get <laughs> so me and my friend would have we would open up a stand and we would sell kool-aid there you and go. it was cheap yeah and, and the way i actually learned profit was playing lemonade tycoon because <laughs> I, I would always hear, yeah, it's funny because I would always hear the word profit. I'm like, I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah, what's the difference? But then I was noticing like I was selling $20 in Lemonade Tycoon, but I was only walking away from with like less than $5 left because yeah. you have, there's like overhead. You have to buy cups. You have to buy the lemonade. You right. have to buy the lemons. Uh, and then you have to like market it. And uh, yeah, that's so, funny. We ended up just buying everything as cheap as possible. All right. That's why we picked Kool-Aid, because it's cheaper than lemonade. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, tell me about you know, some of the jobs you had growing up and, and uh, yeah, what led you to wanting to go out on your own? Uh, so, the jobs that I had, I mostly worked construction. So, that was most of my career. When I moved to Hawaii, that's basically what I did. School didn't work out, and that was, like, the next best thing to make, like, a decent living. The unfortunate part was I was living in Hawaii. I wasn't very happy there. I kind of wanted to do things. I guess maybe I wasn't feeling that I was living the life because my dad gave me the job. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents have always kind of helped me do those things. 
So I wanted to come to Idaho to actually do my own thing without like without them like giving me something like big like that. I've always mm. had to work for my money. They never just hand me money. But moving to Idaho was like the start of um, that journey for me, and I had to basically start all over again because I left like a hundred thousand dollars a year for. Huh. <laughs> yeah, making dirt <laughs> but you wanted to make it on your own did you have something yes. inside you're like I gotta prove it to myself that I can do this on my own you must have had some internal drive that was telling you you know Devin like I gotta get out I gotta get out from under my parents like it's been great what a great support system you had you know being mm-hmm. able to have that you know handed to you or the opportunities that were given to you that's great but there was something inside of you that was telling you you wanted to try it on your own yeah I wanted to do my own thing uh there was a comment that my mom made once and uh it was when i was in hawaii she's like it would be sorry mom but i'm gonna throw you under the bus here (laughs) no it's a a learning teachable moment right (laughs) she should be thanking her right (laughs) she's like it would be really nice if one day you could buy our dinner (sighs) like your uh brother does every once in a while and i was like god Damn, no, it's <laughs> yeah. a, it still actually yeah. stings because I haven't necessarily. I'm get. I'm finally to a point where like I feel comfortable giving out my money. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it, it's kind of interesting. I'm a little bit more, and I think that's just from having a kid. You just you just become more giving. But yeah, that was like a that was like a major. That was like kind of changing for me so when wake, she said that. A wake up call. Yeah. yeah. Like, a not, I really a not so subtle slap, you know? I'm like I'm 25 years old and my mom still feels like they have to pay for. Like, yeah. My food. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh God, it's time to grow up, I guess. <laughs> right? they, they, they still get, but they get weird. They're, it's still like they want to, but they just want it. Like, I think it has more to do with the fact that they want to know that their son is safe. Yeah. Absolutely. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. So you did construction when you came back, when you came back here, what year did you move back to Idaho? So I moved back to Idaho in 2015. Okay. I worked, so I went back to my old job at the hospital, uh, had some drama there, ended up leaving and started flooring with my cousin. And during that time I was, um, taking a lot of pictures and that was the start of what I was doing. All right. So yeah. let's talk about that. So what led you to like you, I, I, from what I gather, you've always had this creative side to you, you know, you, uh, you want to express yourself through, you know, your art, whether it's, you know, making, you know, playmation movies or taking pictures or videos or whatever. Um, you know, when did you start, you know, really leaning into that, you know, hobby and enjoying it. Um, I mean, you kind of came up in an age that's really interesting where the, the way we learn now, you can, there's a lot of free content online, you know, where you can learn and you can YouTube your way and, and the technology we have at our fingertips is, is really rich and really powerful. And so, so when, like, when did you get interested in photography? What did you do with that? Like talk, talk to me through like your first phase of, of like kind of getting, to your your business so when i moved back to idaho i was i i had like this weird longing to do like more stuff in the outdoors we kind of grew up outdoorsy uh we went fishing we went camping as kids 
But when I turned about 18, it just wasn't fun anymore because I was worried about girls and driving and gas money right? rather than going outdoors and spending your money on stuff like that. And uh had this idea that I would basically backpack the seven devils. So like that was my first backpacking trip was in 2015. Nice. And um, yeah, that that's it started in the outdoors and I asked my aunt if I could borrow her like professional camera. And then I'm like, Oh snap. I actually really like doing this. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you live in like Idaho's a gorgeous state. I mean, you can find yourself in some of the prettiest country in the, in the U S you know, right outside your back door. And so, so you find yourself outside snapping pictures. Was it, this is a digital camera that you it, was a, yep, it was yeah. a digital camera. Yeah. I never started on a film camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you, you know, when did you decide that like, this might be something you could do for a living or make money with? Like, how did you transition from, you know, you know, a hobby, really, you were enjoying doing it. It was fun. It was an outlet for you. You know, at what point in time were you like, I wonder if I can either sell this or like, I can do this for other people. Like talk me through that. Yeah. So, I mean, really it's Instagram's fault. It's looking at the influencer world and seeing that you can actually, make money just based off of your brand alone. And I mean, that's where it started. I was like, maybe brands will actually pay me to take their stuff out and take pictures of them in like these beautiful areas in Idaho, like market it with like a, you know, like a twist in the outdoors. Yeah. So how do you build a brand in the, in the beginning? Like they're, I mean, everyone thinks they're a photographer, right? I mean, we all carry cameras on our phones. We all have Instagram accounts and things like that. And there, you know, there are filters and all this technology to, you know, to make pictures look beautiful. But I think you can tell the difference between a professional photographer and maybe someone that's, that's a hobbyist or just trying, you know? So what did you do to really learn your craft and how did you go and get like your first paid job? Yeah. So it's the mindset, like, you have to look at, so you cannot, you can never tell your, like if this is something that you want to do, like especially as an artist, you cannot call it a hobby. Right. For yourself internally. Sure. You got to say, this is my main gig. And the way that I got through it was, I was flooring at the time. I was like, that's my hobby. My hobby is flooring. That's, that's how I got through it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do to, once you committed you know, to photography, what did you do to, I mean, you, you didn't go to school for, for art or photography. Like how no. did you learn, you know, how, what did you do to learn your craft? How did you get good at it? So in the beginning, I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I was actually taking pictures on auto yep. and then I would just watch YouTube videos and like, no, you got to do it on manual. You're like, what's an aperture, right? No, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's an what's stop? My biggest thing was I had no clue what ISO was. I was like, I would always put my ISO super high because it was like make the picture brighter, but that's actually not even a good thing to do. <laughs> like you should not put your ISO to 6,000 all the time. <laughs> it's not good. Your picture is going to look like crap. Yeah. So you were YouTubing your way. You went to YouTube university essentially. I did. Uh, and it was mostly just for the basics. Like I'm really, uh, I was actually just talking to a kid about this at uh, Empire Fitness because he was kind of interested on how I got into it and how I moved the camera. And really, it just when you when you there's so much information online 
And if like you're, I'm a visual learner. So it was mostly watching people move the camera or watching how they framed and took pictures. And then that's, you just have to learn how to use the camera, like as an extension of your eye. Nice. I like that. Uh, so how, when did you know that like you were getting good? Like, like, like what kind of feedback were you getting? You know, like we grew up in the Instagram world where I know, you know, likes were important at some point in time, but you know, when did you know that your stuff was, was, was good? And plus art is subjective, right? Like some people might like it and some people might not, but, um, you know, when did you learn that you might, you might be onto something and like, how did you book your first, what was your first, so, you know, what's the first thing you sold? So the first thing that I sold it, I just immediately went into more like a commercial mindset because businesses and startup businesses, they're going to have money. And I never had like this goal to like take family portraits or do weddings or anything like that. So my first actual paid job, I think it was 300 bucks and I had to make, so I had to take some pictures for a company and then I had to make them like a short video as well. And I went out and I bought like a gimbal for like my cell phone. So like I had to use my cell phone to make the video. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, that was, that was like my first paid gig. And I think that, how do I, how do I explain that? So can you say that question again? Well, like what was your first paid gig like? Oh, you know? okay. And like, yeah, how did you, how'd you book your first gig? And you know what, you know, how did you, how'd you get your first job? You know, like you're, you're doing all this, you're learning your craft. You gotta be at a point where you're like, I think I can, I think I can try and start selling this and I want to make a living doing this, but like, you got to get in front of someone, you know, and you got to get somebody to buy your stuff. So how do you build your brand to a point where somebody's like, you know, I want to hire Devin or were you out kind of, were you fishing, you know, for accounts? Were you the one that was like, Hey, can I take pictures for you? Or, you know, how did you, how'd you get in front of your first account? My first, okay. So my first, so this is what I would do in the beginning. I would find companies and I would do photo shoots on my own. I'd mostly take pictures of myself. Cause when you're a new photographer, especially a man, people don't necessarily like trust you. Cause there are a lot of creeps out there. Yeah. So <laughs> going, and try, going and trying to find like models was very difficult. Yeah. I had a girl that would help me and her name was Olivia and she was a major, major help to the business. So shout out to Olivia. Nice. On that, Olivia Abermite. So, my f- what w- I was trying to reach out to Proof Sunglasses at the time, which is a sustainable sunglass company. I don't really know where they're at right now, but at the time, they were a sustainable sunglass company. They were made of wood. It was very unique. It was two entrepreneurial brothers. Yeah, they were based right here, right? Yeah, from like their family background was, I believe, a wood mill. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I would always be reaching out to them. I'd always be tagging them. And then another company out of Connecticut that was doing the same thing called Bladed Shades, that was the first company that ever paid me. And they found me. The owner of the company was liking all my stuff. And then I saw him wearing these sunglasses. I'm like, hey, dude, nice sunglasses. And he's like, hey, yeah, we need to talk about that. So that was basically the first real paid gig. I mean, that was life-changing money at the time, like 300 bucks at the time. That was that was a huge deal. I had basically quit working at uh flooring yeah. to pursue this. I was living in my car at the time. Oh my god. And yeah, 300 bucks it was like holy hell, I can actually like go buy what I want to 
buy to eat. <laughs> right. Today. Yeah. So you were taking pictures. Were you looking at products that like you that you were drawn to and you were throwing up pictures of yourself and their product and just tagging them and hoping to catch their eye? Were you reaching out to them like through DMs or I would do both. All of that. Yeah. Yep. So I'd reach out to some companies through DMs. I actually went into proof sunglasses. It was a super it was super embarrassing because I went in there with uh with like a booklet and I'm like, hey, I made this booklet for you of like all these like what I thought were obviously cool pictures. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I spent quite a bit of money on that booklet. And I'm like, hey, guys, like, I would really love to be like your full-time photographer. And they're kind of cheap asses, so they didn't want to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you got their attention, right? Yeah. I mean- yeah. So I got their attention. They had a photographer already, which I believe it was the wife of the owner. So like, there was no point for me to do it. Yeah. And those nose, I knew it was something that I wanted to do because the nose, because I was delusional. You have to be delusional in the beginning. You like, do. Yeah. yeah. You're like, eh, no, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's next? Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think those are the kind of risks that, that not everybody's willing to take. You know, you put your, you put your, your art out there, you, you put it on paper for real, you throw it in front of someone and, you know, maybe you have to do that 10 times, you know, before you get a gig or something like that. Yeah, or, You might have to do it. I mean, I did that stuff. It was like over a year. Yeah. Because the commercial space, it actually doesn't necessarily come from how good you are. It's how trusted you are to do it. Yeah. How do you earn that? Yeah. And earning the trust is like communicating with these people, uh, having actual reviews of your work from actual other businesses. Like your work could be pristine. Like some of like some of the best artists aren't making any money. Like yeah. it, it's kind of crazy, Yeah, but it's because they're not putting themselves out there to build that trust within the community or within the business side so, of things. So that's interesting. You know, for, for anyone that's running a business, when they first get started, if, if you're starting from scratch, you don't have anything to, to show. I mean, you, you could take pictures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you don't, you haven't built your brand yet and you don't have anybody like singing your praises yet. You're just you're, you're just out there doing your thing. And so you have to really go and did you do pro bono work, you know, to get started, you know, and tons of it, man. Yeah. So you're just giving away your craft for free with the hope, you know, that you're building a portfolio that's attractive enough for someone to look at and go, damn, this is really good. I think we should hire this person, but that takes time and patience and Mm -hmm. money that you may not have. And so, you know, how much of that did you have to do before you kind of got something that you felt was like sustainable? You're like, okay, finally, I got a regular gig and I can, I'm going to get it paid. I'm getting paid every month or, you know, what was your first year like? Oh man, my first year was a lot of pro bono. Cause the thing about living in Idaho and I, it's probably like this everywhere for artists, but you got, you can go find a pretty decent artist to take photos for you for free. Like at the end of the day or 50 bucks, like it, you have to get with people that understand and empathize with like, they knew that they they, they know that their business is valuable and they want to get paid for their business. So they don't ever want somebody to feel like they're undervalued as well. Because when you're starting a small business, you feel I mean, obviously you probably understand that you feel undervalued because you're taught that, I mean, you're taught 
from like an hourly wage perspective. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We've been undervalued since forever. <laughs> right. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you first start, like you're pretty green too. Like you don't know how to, how to land an account and like you might not have any marketing experience or sales experience, which is stuff that you have to have when you're running a business. You can be the best photographer in the world. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to get in front of people, you know, and things like that. So, and, and so you're learning on the fly. I mean, I've got a buddy that's like, you know, building a business, you know, is like, you know, building a highway that you're driving on. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's so, yeah, it's like, you're just doing so much and hoping, you know, that you can keep the car on the road, but there's so many things that you have to do. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about a little bit about some of the stuff I wanted to ask you. I know, I know, you know, tattooed and successful. I've met Zach and, um, Amherst Madison and Nick, and I, and I follow up the work that you do for them really closely. Talk me through like what they hire you to do. Content is really important. It's really important. And video obviously has gotten huge over the past, you know, three, four, five years. I remember hearing like the video is going to be the next thing. Video is going to be the next thing. I heard that like four or five years ago. Um, but people are still afraid to get in front of the camera. Um, I think those that are getting in front and putting out good content are, are ahead of it, you know, but when, when you're hired by Zach or Nick, you know, what are they hiring you to do? And then what do you do? And then how do you, what kind of product are you, are you giving to them at the end of a, of a day or a shoot or something like that? So like, what does Zach say? He's like, I need, you know, eight pieces of content or I know you followed Nick around and, and, and like what kind of things are they asking you or paying you to do? And you know, how do you do it? Yeah. So, uh, with tattooing successful, everything is social media based. So reels, um, very rarely do we do any horizontal work unless it's like a bigger story, which would be something that we would put on the website or YouTube. Um, so it's all social media based. So the way there sh- we have a scheduled shoot, we have an allotted amount of models, you know, mostly every Monday or Tuesday, and we shoot new stuff that's coming out. New product? Yeah. And yeah. Then, we, then basically I put per person, I make per person a video, so that way we can give it to that person, it's just more marketing content for us, basically, to put it in front of more faces. Sure. So okay. they're getting like a personalized video for themselves along with tattoo and successful is getting a video to market the stuff as well. Right. So how many pieces of content are you at the end of a shoot? Will you have after it's all, you know, post-production and all that stuff? It could be anywhere from 10 to 15 videos. Okay. Yep. Most of them range from 15, like nine to 15 seconds, which is spot on for reels. Nine to 15 is the mm-hmm. sweet spot. Yep. Okay. Um, and then what about for Nick? Like I've seen the stuff you put out for him. He's doing some more like interview style stuff and trying to get his knowledge in front of people and things like that. Like what's it like, you know, working for him? What does he want and how much stuff are you getting to him? Well, Nick doesn't know what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he <kidding>. does. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knows exactly what he wants. Yeah. Uh, but he's also said like this is a space that he's kind of underplayed in the last few years and he's you know he's looking to you for help yes. and so yeah yeah so he's looking to me for advice a lot of the times but what we're working on mostly right now we are working on lifestyle videos so we want to put a human face on real estate agents rather than just being focused on 
the actual real estate side of the business because real estate agents have their own lives. They have families, they have unique hobbies. And at Amherst Madison, they have some of the top producers. And it honestly, a lot of them have like pretty unique lives. Like I'm getting to work with some, we have Kiki Love, which was like a radio host. Yeah, he was a little (laughs) local celebrity for a long time. Yeah, which I'll be working with him next week. That's cool. On his lifestyle video. And for Nick specifically, so we have Amherst and then we have Nick Schleckway. Nick wants to focus more on putting his knowledge out there. Like you were talking about some of these, he has specific topics that he wants to talk about. And then we just, we just spread the knowledge through reels basically. Yeah. Or his LinkedIn. Yeah. So are you filming? Well, let's see. I want to get to equipment a little bit later. Um, so let's talk about the difference between a photographer and a marketer. I think there's some blur. There may be some blurring there. There may be some gray areas. Some people may hire you as a, as a videographer or a photographer, but also may believe that you are going to be doing like the marketing message behind it. And, you know, I caught something that you put out a few weeks ago in regards to you're not a marketer. You know, you are the one that wants to take their voice and their vision and, you know, make it attractive or make it pretty or whatever. But but you're not going to be the one, you know, crafting the message. Right. So can you talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are like when you're hired? You know, what should somebody how should somebody be prepared to tell you, you know, what they want? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So there are media companies out there that offer both marketing advice and the content side, but seldom is it's like either you're getting really good marketing content and kind of not that great quality of video or you're getting really good quality of video, but not necessarily that great marketing advice. Yeah. I can kind of give you advice on Instagram or where does this content need to go? What is this content going to be good for? Is it going to be better for ads? Is it going to be better for a TikTok or whatever? And I can basically give you the knowledge of like, you need to be on every platform. Yeah. And you need someone to run those platforms for you. So you, when you, you want someone to come to you and be like, look, this is my message. Here's kind of what I want to say. You tell me where to sit and like how to walk or whatever you need to do to, to get that out there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, I am an artist and I just want to make art. Uh, I know that that can be kind of blurred in the um, commercial side of things, but my the prices that I do charge don't include like it, it doesn't include like a marketing package or that information. So like I just like me as a small business owner, I have to market my own stuff, and uh, I know how to market a videography company. Yeah. You know? You just have to put the videos out there and people will be like, oh, that's okay, that I need that good. for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a tattoo artist. Sure. Yeah, so like I kind of look at it like that. Uh, but it is a small business's, to me personally, I feel like it's a small business's um, duty to make sure that they understand marketing and, or they have somebody that understands marketing they have somebody that can run their social media if they don't have the time to run their social media. Uh, that's basically because I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a one man show, so I don't have the time to put my fingers in all these places for each company. Cause unfortunately I do have to work with 
like five or six companies. So it's, it's very difficult for me to like stay on track. I, it would be very difficult for me as a business owner to stay on track of like all of your marketing. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to be prepared to understand. And here's the thing you're going to get, uh, it always sounds like I'm salty over this, but I'm not because I have some of the best clients. Like I've been super blessed to have people that I can like actually call like friends. Yeah. So, but like for like new businesses coming to me, it's you, you want to make sure the reason why you want to make sure that you have a, why you need to be prepared for the actual message side of your business is because the content's going to be that much better. You might not be happy with the content if you're relying on me to come up with a message for you. Yeah. Because how I see your business might not be the same way you see your business. Right. But maybe the way I see your business is going to be more beneficial than the way you see your business. But that's more of like a luck of the draw. And at the end of the day, I want my client to be happy with the product that they're receiving. And that's really where like your worth as a creator comes from. Is your client happy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the business owner, I think you're right. I mean, I think the onus is on the business owner to, to know what a good client is to them to know their product really, really well. Um, and to, they have to work on how they want their business to be portrayed. You know, what's your marketing message? What are your values? You got to have all that laid out. And then if that can be brought to you and you can bring it to life, you know, through video, like that's the perfect marriage, I think. Right. But, absolutely. Uh, but that's a tough, you gotta, you gotta do your work. You can't like marketing is, is a tough, tough crowded space and it changes and, it changes every every year, especially the content that you're putting out on different channels. There's different algorithms, and there's different. You said like the the optimal size for a reel is nine to fifteen seconds. Like yeah. it probably wasn't like that a year ago, and it'll be different a year from now, you know, yeah. or something like we might that. Might go back so. to long form. I mean, we might go back to long form videos, like yeah. one minute videos. Yeah, we used to do really well on Instagram. <laughs> which I know, is still it's so short. It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how they. That, that's what these companies do is that's why it's so addicting because you're always trying to play with the algorithm mm-hmm. and they reward you sometimes, but then they take it away yep. and then they reward you and then they take it away. It's like a toxic relationship. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, they're gaslighting you, right? Yeah, they, no, they are. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the platforms. Let's go like, I guess, Instagram reels and TikTok. Like what would your advice be to a company as far as like amount of content, what type of content? Obviously these are all video, but you know, what should a company be putting out? You know, I think consistency is really important, but like how much is too much? Is there too much this day and age? Can you, you know, what are your thoughts on like, if you're going to tell someone like, all right, if you want to start doing work and put your stuff out on Instagram or TikTok, here's what I would recommend. Like, how would you answer that question? So Instagram is trying to become a little bit more like TikTok to compete. Obviously you're going to have more initial new growth on TikTok because how their algorithm works is they reward, um, new coming people. So it'd be very beneficial for you to use obviously both. My advice is always use every single platform. Uh, TikTok is going to put you in front of more faces. So like if you have like an actual product that you're selling, TikTok is like one of the best places to do that on. And you can run ads. You can actually run ads on TikTok just like you can on Instagram. And they do very well. So like our TikTok for Tattooing Successful does very well Yeah. compared to our Instagram channel. Because Instagram is always changing. Say you get like a strike. Say you accidentally say the wrong thing. 
or you post the wrong thing, uh, they will take back your, um, your reach. Okay. Yeah. They will take back your reach. You have to be very careful. Uh, that's why I always recommend starting a a new Instagram page. If you're a business, don't use your personal and turn it into a business. Yeah. That was one of my major mistakes, but now I can't go back on it because there's no way I'm going to sit and grow a new Instagram channel. Right. How much should you be putting out there right now? So on Instagram, less is a little bit better. You should be posting three times a week, at least as a business. If you post, does it matter like real stories or reels, you know, Reels. You can do stories every day. Reels and actual posts. You don't want to post too much or the algorithm will not reward you. They will look at you as spam or for whatever reason. And it's got to be, like if you're a business, you want to put out quality content. So you don't want to be posting stuff with words uh, overlaid on a picture. That's like the worst thing you can do. You want to have professional content. You want to invest in video, whether that's doing it yourself on your iPhone but you need to you need to build brand loyalty through your messaging so people are coming to you because of who you are yeah. and that's what is so good about Instagram. All right. TikTok <laughs> you post every day. <laughs> you go, post every day until you hit that until you hit that algorithm and once you do, you're set. All right. You're set. Yeah. Very good. Um so talk about equipment. Like how did you like what's been your what's been your experience? What kind of equipment are you using today? Why have you chosen that equipment? How important is equipment? I know it's very important to someone like you, you know, but like what are you using today for your hardware and, and your editing so- and software? So today I use Premiere Pro. I started using Final Cut Pro because I started off editing on once I started getting higher end gear, I started editing on a MacBook. MacBook took a shit on me, so I ended up having to get a Windows PC. So my only option was Premiere Pro. Right. So then I just had to relearn how to use software, and I've been using it for so long. I pay for the entire suite, which it's about I believe I pay sixty dollars a month for like a hundred and or a hundred gigs of Creative Cloud space, which is very important when it like comes to pictures and like uh, Photoshop stuff. Not so much on video. Yeah. Uh, because you have to pay a lot of money for like more space. Those files are big. Video files are big, and they just keep getting bigger, and the memory cards keep getting more expensive. And, yeah. But the price that you actually pay for the cameras that are putting out, the quality that they're putting out, is pretty insane. I shoot on a Sony camera. The reason being is that Sony has a great autofocusing system. A lot of my videos are actually running guns. So like Everly Stock. So like if I'm filming like hunts. Or if I'm filming a wedding, you got to have a good autofocus. You don't want to be focused on... Some people are super good at it, but I am not. And that's manual focus because I never started manual focus. The autofocus on these Sonys is so good that you can't even tell that you're using an autofocus system. Is there a editing software? You mentioned the editing software that you like on an iPad. Is Is that the Premiere Pro or is there another... Yeah, so the editing software that... So the first program that I ever used was on an iPad. It was a fifth-generation iPad. Nice. Damn. <laughs> it was called LumaFusion. It's 20 bucks. It, this is like a perfect... I mean, if you want to learn how to make videos with a professional-grade software that's on your iPad, because maybe that's... Maybe you're like really like... You have to like 
uh, use like a stylus or whatever, you're very proficient on an iPad, that is a great software to use. And it's very powerful and you can make pretty decent. No, you can make, you can hands down make professional videos on that software for sure. It's, it is the closest thing to final cut and premiere pro. Obviously you're limited to some graphic things, but there's some workarounds. Like there's tons of information online about it. Cool. Are you doing anything with drones? Yeah. I love drones. I do too. Yep. Um, what do you, what do you do with your drones? So a lot of my drone work is, uh, it obviously, I just fly it over whatever I'm <laughs> literally filming at the time. <laughs> right? you, want, you don't want to use drones as like your end-all, be-all for a video unless you're doing like more real estate stuff, which is more informational-based uh, video. But here's the, here's the deal. The less time that drone's in the air, the less likely you are to crash it. So right. plan your freaking shot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you'll be good. Like when I first got it, it was drone, 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 drone. If you tell people you have a drone, it makes you more marketable. Yeah. What do you have? I use a DJI Air S2. Yep. And the reason I go with that drone is that it has a one-inch sensor. It's great in low light. You can pretty much fly it in the dark, in the city, and the image comes out very crispy clear. Uh, you're limited to the codecs that it has. It doesn't shoot 10-bit, which is um, beneficial when it comes to like editing and stuff. You can push the colors around a little bit more. But fly it during the day. You don't really yeah. want to fly it at night anyways. Drones are so fun. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I've, I I, just have a mini that I kind of just take with me when I travel and stuff like that. And, like, it's... I got paid using that. Yeah. The mini, the very original mini, because I lost my drone. It did not come back <laughs> because I crashed it too many times and it was a little <laughs> bit wigged out. And they're so much better nowadays than the kind of, like, first-generation drones but the mini, I'd use the mini forever. Yeah. Yeah. They're super fun. So photography is like a really crowded space. Like how do you, like, how are you getting noticed now? Like you've got, so you've got a body of work now. Like what's, you know, um, are you kind of referral based right now? Are you taking on new clients? Are you good with the, you know, five or six that you have? Like how much can you handle, you know? And are you, do they are you like on retainer you know do they like how does what does an agreement like you look like so all my agreements are retainer based um so they get a minimum amount of videos and uh so it's like a monthly fee they pay you yeah they pay they basically pay me month to month okay yep and then like what's like what's an average agreement like pay me this much and i'll get you this much content like what is that yeah so um What's a baseline? Like a baseline for like the price? Like if you have a menu, <laughs> yeah. If you have like a menu, I'm curious. You know, I don't know, but you know, like, it's it's honestly it's it's dependent on the business itself. Like if you're a business, when you're making content for people, you and especially in the commercial space, how much money is that company going to make off the content that they're licensing from you? Right. Basically, of course. And they have owner so. As an artist, you always have ownership of your artwork unless otherwise stated. So that's always something that you have to also be very conscious of. <laughs> right. And you, you basically, you're, they're paying you to license out your work and how much money is that company making off of your um, art. I don't, I don't have like a, a set pricing for my stuff. I kind of keep that... Um, pretty secret but 
as most artists do, honestly. Yeah, just like kind of job to job. Some some artists will put like, oh, it's seven hundred dollars for like a portrait session, or it's seven hundred dollars for like a one minute video. But you have to look at the actual business. Like when you're working with small businesses, your prices cannot be super high because it is scary. Yeah, it is. Because it is a video is a risk. Yep. Yeah, and so the business owner has to be like, all right, so I'm thinking of doing video, and um, but I have no idea how much sales it's going to drive me. Because, like, again, video is just a portion of the whole project, right? You have to know how to put it out. Mm-hmm. You got to maybe you've got to be savvy with ads. Maybe um, you need to know how to run the content out there that's going to perform for you so that you're going to get sales. You know, just because you have the content doesn't mean that people are going to buy from you. You got to get it in front of the right people, right? Yep. And things like that. So, so yeah, it's tough for a business owner to be like, well, if I hire a videographer and it's going to cost me X amount of money, like, how do I know that it's going to drive sales for me? And that's the conversation that every business owner has to, I guess, do their research on. And and there's a risk to it too. You're like, well, I mm-hmm. guess we'll try it and see if it happens. But well, like for, I always like to equate it to like buying like an like a um, not an RV but like a camper. The bigger the camper is. It's usually the size of it. It's actually less expensive than a portable one because of the port. Like a like a smaller one, you can you can pull it with anything. Yeah. But with a bigger one, you got to buy a big truck. Right. So like, there's always going to be more of a cost. It's going to be harder to get into places, and that's just that's going to be a different experience. Yeah. You always have to buy something with something, right? So like, if you're getting video, well, maybe now you have to think about hiring. If you don't understand Google Ads. You're going to have to hire someone or you're going to have to learn and you have to be willing to learn. Exactly. And I understand that that's hard for some businesses because some small businesses, all the marketing, all of that stuff is on one person. Yep. Yeah. And that's difficult. It is. And I completely understand that. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And then, like we said earlier, things change every year. You have to stay on top of it. It's like, like I said, I've, I've tried to stay on top of it and I do all my own stuff by myself and you know, it's, I think it's doing what it's supposed to do for me. Um, but it's still something that I have to pay a lot of attention to, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not only that, like once you put stuff out there and, and then when it's working, like you've now all of a sudden you might have to be replying to comments or you might have to be, you know, mm-hmm. t- you know, maybe you get some prick out there who's jumping all over your stuff and you have to respond to that and you have to do that professionally you know and so like you've it's your it's all that's a risk and you've got to learn you've got to learn how to do it so yeah and i there's tools out there for i like small business owners are always thinking about things that are obviously less expensive but you can get you can get on fiverr you can find virtual assistants they will reply to all the comments they will go comment on other people's stuff they will like people's stuff for you they will post for you. And this is relatively inexpensive because most of these people are pretty much in a different country. Yeah. No, that's good advice. Uh, but they're also very knowledgeable and understand what they're doing. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? We're, we're staring down in the end of one year and we're getting ready to jump into another one. What does 2023 look like for you? Uh, man, it, it's always with my job. I never know. I never know what's going to happen. Obviously, I, I want to continue to grow. 2023, I have something called Sigma Modern, which is coming out, which is honestly already out. And the idea behind that is it's going to kind of, it's going to go back to like the male archetype, which I always like to equate that to like James Bond. Like every, every man wants to be like James Bond. You're not ever, like money is not an obstacle, right? 
You never know how much money James Bond has. He it's just true. is always able to afford his drinks, always has a business suit on. Doesn't matter. And the car. Yeah, he's getting a car. <laughs> it's It more comes down to what does a man want? He wants adventure. He wants variety. And he wants women. And that's kind of going back to like that male archetype. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to turn into merch or if that's going to turn into more of like an influencer-based stuff. But that's going to be a pretty big project for 2023 is Sigma Modern. Cool. Yeah. What do you have, what do you have laid out right so far for it? Mostly just content. Okay. Yep. I'm looking into some other business ideas for it. And that's I'm working exciting. with someone. So are you looking to get more companies to work with or are you kind of set? You know, like how, like what's the, when you, when you have a, when you sign up a client, like how long do they work with you? You know, um, is it indefinitely or do they like six months and they're done? Like what's your, what's your experience been with that? Most of the companies that I've been working with so far, I've like, I haven't had any issues with, um, not getting any, like another month. Maybe there was like a small, uh, there's only like a couple, but most of these companies, that's why you want to work with companies that are like financially stable. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and working with Everly stock and their team, I've learned a lot on like the marketing side of things. So like, um, I can always share that knowledge with people, but it's, if you're working with companies that are very organized, that those are the companies you want to go for. Definitely. Like for like a sustainability as a full-time creative, you don't want to be going for like, <laughs> not necessarily unstable businesses. Like, a, yeah, if that makes sense. No, it does. Where you like you're wondering if you're going to get paid. Right. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, are you looking to take on more clients? Or are you full? Always. More. I'm always looking to take on more clients. Yeah. Because here, pretty soon, I'm probably going to think about outsourcing a lot of my stuff. Yeah, but. that's what I was going to ask you <laughs> next. Like, how do you scale this? You know, how do you? That's that's how you scale it. You have to end up giving up some of your control of like editing and stuff like that. So projects that you don't necessarily want to edit, yeah. there's a ton of them that I don't want to do. That's the work side of this. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> there is a work side. So how do you find an editor that you're comfortable with and that you trust? That's going to be the hardest part. Yeah. Right. And one that's affordable. Right. It's like the overhead is Just go to Fiverr. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how I'll do weddings is I'll, I'll outsource the editing because yeah. this year I've kind of fallen a little bit short on uh, having the time because I'm always, I'm actually filming more than I have the ability to almost edit. Oh, so wow. it's like, yeah. It's a good problem to ne- have. Next year I'll, I'll be a little bit more organized. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly still learning. Like this is all still so very new to me. Yeah. Especially yeah. the success side of it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, buddy, I'm all out of questions. I don't think, I think we ran through them all. So, dude, thanks for coming in. No, thanks for having me. Dude, you do incredible work. Um, I'm really excited for you. I know that this is kind of just the beginning for you, and you've got some really cool, exciting things coming up. You've already built a portfolio that's really attractive. You're working with some of the best companies in town that you've earned their trust already. And um, I'm excited for you, and uh, I can't wait to see what you are going to do next. So, thanks for coming in. Thanks for telling your story, and uh, I'm rooting for you, man. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. Anywhere the wind blows, anywhere the fireflies.